0: well good morning church so good to be with you this morning have you guys ever noticed how amazing moms are I mean moms are amazing creatures Uh, I I never ceases to amaze me how uh, you can be in a crowded room and a kid starts crying in the other room and a group of moms can uh, can listen to the cry and know whether or not it's their kid it's actually absolute, absolutely extraordinary. It's one of those things that I think. I want to know God's voice like they know their child's voice. Uh, I want to create a habit in my own life where uh, I can discern what God is saying like a mom can discern the voice of a crying child. Uh, I want to be able to to regularly pattern my life to be able to hear and to listen to God uh, like a mom can listen to a child. In John chapter 10, uh, Jesus says that those who would follow Him are those people who can listen to His voice, that hear Him, that know what He is saying. And one of the ways that, that we find that we hear God best is through His Word. It's through the Bible. It's through the text. It's, it's through these uh, pages of Scripture. And last week, we began this series that we're calling Holy Habits. And, and this whole idea of developing holy habits uh, is this idea that, uh, that we would be training ourselves to be godly people, that we would be developing godly character, uh, that we would be uh, routining ourselves in activity, uh, that we would be engaging in regular patterns of thought and action uh, that lead us to be godly people, people of godly character. And this morning. Uh, we come around the idea of engaging God's Word, the Bible, Scripture, as a habit. Now, here's the thing that you need to think about this morning. When you forge a habit of engaging God's Word, you will hear God's voice. When you forge a habit, when you forge a regular pattern, uh, when you forge a, a, a constant pattern of regular routine of getting into God's Word, you will hear God's voice. People of God are people of the Word. They're people of God by, by becoming people of the Word. They hear God's voice, creating habits that, that find us where God is and hearing what God is saying. Find us listening closely. Find us putting our ear close to God's Word, and our ears open up, and we're able to hear what God is saying. Uh, Somebody in Scripture that actually needed a little nudging uh, toward coming into God's Word was a a person by the name of Timothy. Uh, Timothy was going through kind of an uncertain and chaotic time, and he was in ministry, and he kept finding that there were hurdles upon hurdles uh, that he had to overcome, and, and his His teacher, uh, whose name is Paul, uh, he comes to him and he writes a letter, an ancient email, uh, and he writes to him and he he nudges him into God's Word. And what we find is that uh, Paul is helping Timothy pursue God's Word. Pursue God by, by pursuing God's Word. He he tells Timothy that he wants to to seek what God is saying to him uh, by by recognizing what God is doing in the Scriptures. And so this morning, I I want you uh, to gather around and I want you to to think about, I want you to to find space in your life to create a habit of getting in and engaging God's Word. What Paul's going to tell Timothy is what the Bible is, what the Bible does, and what He should do with it. And as we gather so many years later and we read what God is saying in His Word, we find out what God says about His Word. We find out that, that God has a particular definition to what His Word actually is. We not only find that, but we find the function of His Word. We find the origin of His Word and the function of His Word, the role that it plays. And we also find our responsibility with the Word. So that you and I can develop habits that find us engaged in God's Word. So that we can hear God's voice. So that we can know what He is saying. So that we can press our ear closely to God's lips. I want you to join me in 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Go ahead and turn there. If you're using an app, go ahead and find those buttons that allow you to turn to the book of 2 Timothy later on in the New Testament. If you grab a Bible, go to the later portion. 1 uh, Timothy, 2 Timothy, and then Titus. And I'm going to be in chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. What is God's Word? What is it? Well, we define God's Word really from who it comes from. What is God's Word? God's Word is from God. (laughs) We define it by who it comes from. The origin of God's Word is God Himself. He breathed it. He took it and He gave it life. He organized and inspired. and He laid it out one letter at a time through one person at a time through one situation at a time. God did it. What is God's Word? Well, it is God's. It is God's speaking it's his revelation to us to you and to me look at verse 16 in chapter 3 in verse 16 the very first portion of that verse it says all scripture is god breathed god breathed it into existence this word that we're talking about this morning the bible the scripture the text it's not man-made. It's nothing that I have created or that you have created. It's it's not merely a a conjuring of a bunch of people getting together and deciding to write a bunch of uh, books. No, no, no. That's that's not what this is. This is God's word to you. This is God's word to me. It's God's word to us. You see, God in, in many different ways, uh, sometimes by speaking to people, sometimes by allowing them to dream, uh, sometimes by giving them visions, uh, sometimes by, by giving them the Holy Spirit, maybe it was a whisper in their ear, I, I don't know, but, uh, but God was inspiring. And He inspired more than 40 authors over the period of 1,600 years and God put this masterpiece together in order to reveal who He is. And we press our ear closely to what God is saying. What is God's Word? It is, it is His. It's who it's from that's important. God's Word is God's. And it is trustworthy. And it it's true. If we were to uh, skip over one page in one book and go into the book of Titus in chapter 1, we find that Titus says of God's character that it's impossible for God to lie. If it's impossible for God to lie, that means that the word uh, that comes from him, uh, it parallels, it mirrors his nature and his character. And so the words that come out of his mouth, the words that he breathed, are trustworthy and true. In fact, in chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, uh, when, when Paul is encouraging Timothy to handle uh, God's Word like a master craftsman, uh, like someone who pays attention to every little detail, uh, he, he tells Timothy uh, that this Word that he is to handle carefully, that he's to handle like a craftsman, he says, it's the Word of Truth. God's Word is His revelation to you about who He is, His character. And it's His revelation to you. And we have an opportunity to put our ear close to God's Word and to hear what He is saying when we make a habit of engaging God through His Word. And because this Word is His, because He breathed it, because it's trustworthy, because it's true, uh, you and I have the opportunity to come into this word and know that it has authority a bunch of people uh, a bunch of years ago around 1978 uh, they gathered together a bunch of scholars and and they began talking about what is God's word and 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 how does it begin to uh, Make sense in in our lives what can we say about what the Bible is and here's what they say they said this we affirm that the holy scriptures are to be received as the authoritative word of God we deny that the scriptures receive their authority from the church tradition or any other human source Uh, What does that mean? It means that you and I, uh, because this is God's Word, because He breathed it, because He inspired it, it means that we don't stand in mastery over this book. No, no, no. We listen to this book. This book actually stands in mastery over us. We submit ourselves to God's Word because it's His. It's His authority over us in our lives. In fact, if you don't believe me, uh, think of the example of Jesus. Uh, When Jesus was confronted, oftentimes He would quote Scripture as an authority over life. Why? Because it's God's Word. It's trustworthy and it is true. On on one occasion, the disciples and Jesus are walking through, uh, it happens in Mark chapter 2, they're walking through the, uh, the fields of grain, and it happens to be on the Sabbath. Now, there were some people that, that really liked the rules more than the relationship with God, and, and they had all these uh, mankind, uh, man-made rules about not eating, and so the disciples are rubbing the grain in their hand to, to get something in the middle of it so that they can eat it and fill their tummies And they say, hey, this is unlawful. And Jesus says the most amazing thing. He goes back to Scripture. He goes back to the authority of the Bible that they had read. And he says, have you never read? I mean, this was an insult. Of course they had read. They had read the words, they understood what they they looked at what the words were saying, but they had missed the heartbeat. Jesus goes back and He recognizes that God's Word has authority because it is from God. What is it? It's God's Word. And because it is God's Word, it is trustworthy, it is true, and it has authority. But because it's God's Word, it also brings life. I was really intrigued this week by by Timothy's, uh, or by Paul's word to Timothy when he says it is God-breathed. And it made me start thinking about the times in Scripture where God breathes things. Uh, Of course, you're going to be thinking about in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, when the Word of God tells us that when God was creating people, when He was taking dust and creating a person, it says that He breathed life into them. He breathed life. I thought of another example in a prophet in Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel is given a vision of dead, dry bones, a big valley where there's nothing but dead, dry bones. This was Israel's reality. And in order to give hope, it it talks about now my breath is going to be upon you. God is going to give breath and with God's breath comes life. I wonder if God's Word, when we habitually get into it, when we engage it regularly, when there's a pattern to our life where we're seeking God's voice through His Word, I wonder if, if God's Word to us in our life becomes a well of life that we begin to drink of just as real as when God breathed the breath of life into the human That first day that God was creating humankind. I wonder if if the Word that we ingest on a daily basis when we regularly engage God's Word, I wonder if that Word is is as life-giving as the breath that would make dead bones come alive. I know that there's situations in my life and probably yours when God's Word has been a salve to your soul and it has breathed life. I remember an occasion uh, when I was uh, just having a hard time in life. I was in the fifth grade and we had to move in the middle of a school year and it was a really hard time for me. But I remember that my mom got us involved in a church and we were memorizing Scripture And in a really chaotic and uncertain time, God's Word was a salve to my soul and I was able to drink at the well of life. What is God's Word? God's Word is His trustworthy and true Word. His authority over us and His life-giving well that you and I have the chance to drink from. This is what God's Word is. It is God-breathed. If this is what God's Word is, then how does God's Word function? What's the role that that God's Word plays in our life? Notice what Paul says in the Word of God. Uh, The Word of God is going to tell us uh, That this functions for every day. That God's word is useful for all things. That God's word is actually as down to earth as you and me. Notice what Paul says. Go into verse 15. Go into verse 15. Excuse me. Go into the last part of verse 16. All scripture is God breathed. And here he says, and it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Uh, God's Word is useful for all things. It's useful in everyday life and it's useful for everybody. Uh, I'm reminded of the other Scripture that talks about Scripture uh, in Hebrews chapter 4, v- verse 12. It talks about God's Word being living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, uh, dividing our life, joints and marrow. Uh, The idea, the picture that I get every time I read that is of a fish that is being laid open. And nothing is hidden. The idea there is that that the Lord's Scripture, it, it convicts us. When we're listening to God through His Word, we find that there's conviction in our life and how we go about living, because we recognize that nothing can be hidden in God's Word. Uh, nothing can be hidden from our life and how we go about living uh, when we're engaged in what God is saying, when we're peering, peering, our, uh, peering into what God is saying and we, we have our ears close to God's mouth. I don't know exactly where it started, but. But it's kind of fun. One of the things that sometimes we do around my house is, is what we call Jesus jukes. Now, I, I know that some of you are thinking, what in the world is a Jesus Duke? It probably started with some college students and uh, they would be talking about something and then I would uh, come up with a piece of Scripture uh, that really addressed an issue that they were wrestling with. And it probably was addressing that issue that they were wrestling with in a way that convicted them. And because it convicted, then they would go, oh, Jesus, Duke. And I know sometimes around my house, uh, when things are happening, my kids will look at me and be like, oh, Jesus, Duke, Dad. So let's say that, that my kids are using unkind words with one another. Maybe, maybe they're fighting. And maybe the words of Scripture that I use uh, for them are, you know, the, God's word says that we should not allow, any, excuse me, any unwholesome talk to come out of our mouth. And they'd, they'd be like, "Oh man, those words are convicting in that moment. Not un, un, unwholesome things should come out of our mouth and because it shouldn't uh, it's a Jesus Duke. It's a convicting word from Scripture you know, that they need to hear in that moment. There's lots of other ways that we could do that. There's lots of other ways that God's Word begins uh, to convict us. Maybe it is that, uh, that you're thinking about not telling the truth about something. Now, you already know that, that God's Word says that, that you shouldn't lie. That in, Instead, you should tell the truth. But there are some times that we find that, that telling the truth is harder than at other times. And maybe you're facing a time when telling the truth is going to be hard. But you have someone in your life saying, you know what? God's Word says that we shouldn't lie. And so you find that there's this function of Scripture. There's this usefulness. It's correcting you. It's molding and shaping you in a way that that you hadn't quite imagined. God's Word is functioning in you. And here's the great thing. as As God's Word functions, it uses What it already is saying, as we peer uh, into God's Word, as we listen carefully to what God is saying, as we hear His voice carefully through what He's saying in His Word, He is preparing us for the work that He wants us to do. Did you catch those words in verse 17? At the end of verse 17, he says, uh, this work, all of Scripture, uh, being useful for rebuking, correcting, training, he says, so that the servant of God may be equipped for everything every good work. You become equipped, you become prepared, you become qualified because you have heard what God is already doing. When you decide that you're going to habitually train yourself to be in God's Word, you will find that you are ready for what God has for you next. God has a plan for you. But if you want to be ready for what God has for you, then you better be in His Word. Uh, think about some scenarios here. Uh, perhaps it is that uh, you have decided that you love the mission of Whiting Christian Church. That we would help people find and follow Jesus. And you're like, I want to be all in on that. I want to help people find Jesus and I want to help people follow Him. I want there to be something in my life that helps people initially come to know who Jesus is, and I want to help them take steps to to maturing in who Jesus is to help them grow. And you've decided that you're going to do that through getting into the Word. And as you do, you find that you're more ready now to talk to your unsaved friends, those those pagans in your life, maybe their neighbors or friends or family. And there are people that are far from God and you are now ready more than you were before to talk to them about Jesus to say hey there's this this person in, in Jesus and he's got a plan for you uh, let me open up God's word for you in fact in, in verse 15 now Paul alludes to how the word prepares us to talk to people about Jesus listen to verse 15 He says, you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. This is what the Scriptures do for you. They're preparing you for things that you may not even know that you're preparing for, but God does. Maybe it is for some of you that you're leaders, but you don't know your leaders yet. Uh, Maybe you have sensed in your life for a while uh, that God has been preparing you to be a leader that you've recognized something in your life that uh, that you have influence with other people but as you've recognized that something in you says that you're a leader or someone has prompted you that you are a leader you've failed to step up to be a leader you've stepped back you've decided not to be a leader just because you're afraid Uh, Probably, like many other leaders, you've decided not to be a leader because you recognize your own weaknesses. If that's you, then maybe God is preparing you through His Word this morning. Uh, Maybe He's preparing you through His Word by reminding you of what Paul said uh, when he came to the church at Corinth. Hey, I didn't come with wise and persuasive words. In fact, Paul is going to say something like, this to the Corinthian church, it is through my weakness that God shows and demonstrates His strength. God's strength is demonstrated in my weaknesses. Perhaps you've looked at the, at the, the words that are in Acts where uh, you recognize that the beginning of the entire church, the risk that God was taking uh, was to entrust ordinary people with His word and then you come to understand the function of what God is doing in his word the role that it's playing in your life is that it's preparing you for something that God has planned for you if God's word is from God if it's trustworthy and true if it functions to convict our lives and prepare us for what's next then what's our role in it what's our responsibility I love what Paul tells Timothy. He reminds him that there has to be a continuance. There has to be an ongoing closeness, a nearness to God's Word on a consistent basis in order to hear what God is saying. Listen to verse 14. But as for you, he says, continue, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you have learned it. He says, uh, hey bud, you got to continue. This is an everyday proposition. Very recently, just this week I I heard of another preacher who was talking about being in God's word. His name is John Blanchard. And he said this. He said this about being close to God's word, about continuing, ongoing, hearing constantly what God is doing in his word. He says this How often should we read the Bible? He asks. Well, surely we only have to be realistic and honest with ourselves to know how regularly we have to turn to the Bible. How often do we face problems? Temptations and pressures? Every day. Then, how often do we need guidance, instruction, and greater encouragement? Every single day. Uh, Paul says to Timothy, Hey Timothy, you know what I'm talking about because you have heard the Scriptures uh, from the time that you were knee-high to a grasshopper. From the time where you were a little boy. From the time that you were in your crib, Timothy, you have had God's Word being cultivated in your life. Listen to verse 15, the very beginning. He talks about Scripture, and in verse 15 he says, "...and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures." From the time that Timothy was in his crib... His mom, Eunice, and his grandmother, Lois, they were, they were talking to him. They would open up the Bible and read stories They would read the Scriptures to him. As he got older, I'm sure there was uh, times where he memorized Scripture. Maybe he got on his own reading plan. Uh, I would love to have known the conversations, uh, the questions that Timothy was asking his mother and his grandmother as they forged in him a habit of hearing from God, uh, hearing God's voice, pursuing God and seeking godliness through knowing what God was saying in his word. He says, Timothy, you keep doing that. You don't stop. And parents and families. If there's an application here hidden in, in the middle of this text for you and I, it is that you and I can never possibly know the, the extraordinary impact that planting seeds of God's Word into the lives of our children and our family can possibly do? Timothy, from the time he was in his crib, was having the Word read to him. Is it possible, parents, that God will use your faithfulness to simply open up God's Word and to read it and to encourage it to be a part of a Of a regular pattern of godliness in your home? Is it possible that God would use that to breathe life into thousands of other people? As my children get older, I am amazed. I am amazed at how God's Word speaks to them. And I am amazed at how God's Word speaks through them. Our responsibility, church, is to hear God through His Word. If you're like me and you want to hear God's voice, then you need to be in God's Word. Church, I want to challenge you this week to make a decision, to make a choice, to make a habit of godliness, being in God's Word. When you forge a habit, of engaging God's Word, you will hear God's voice. In the last several weeks, as I have walked through the closing of Nebraska Christian College, I have a good friend who has used Scripture to speak to me. It's not an earth-shattering sort of revelation that I had never heard before but he spoke to me and he allowed God to speak to me he allowed me to hear God's voice by hearing God's word he went to Psalm 23 and he just replaced my name in it the Lord is Mike's shepherd He makes Mike lie down in green pastures. He leads Mike beside quiet waters. He refreshes Mike's soul. He guides Mike along the right paths for his namesake. Even though Mike walks through the valley of the shadow of death, Mike will fear no evil. For you are with Mike. Your rod and your staff, they comfort Mike. You prepare a table before Mike in the presence of Mike's enemies. You anoint Mike's head with oil. Mike's cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love will follow Mike all the days of Mike's life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And every day, I would get a new email speaking God's Word into my life. And God gave life. And I heard God's voice. Church, I want you to hear God's voice. One of the ways that I hope that you do that is by reading and understanding and maybe memorizing Scripture. Because when you forge a habit of engaging God's Word, you will hear God's voice. Let me pray. Lord God, we love You and we thank You for Your goodness we thank you for your word that you've spoken into us, Lord, and I pray that we will accept its authority over us. I pray we would not back down from the word that you've given, and I pray, Lord, that we would stand near it and love it, and we would press our ears into it so that we can always hear you clearly. We long for your voice. We long for what you say, and we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.